Thanks for joining us for episode four of Canine Roll Call Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Ferguson. This is uh, part two from episode three with uh, Dr. David Adabimpe. So if you have not listened to episode three, I highly suggest that you hit the rewind button and uh, go back to three uh, prior to listening to this one. Uh, again, with me, I have co-host Shana Parsnow and Amber Vaughn. And we um, have, as I mentioned earlier, Dr. Adebempe with us. And again, a continuation of the conversation. And I want to kick it off with um, talking about training aids and how all training aids are not created equal. Not all training aids are created equal. And um, um, <clears throat> because um, the scent signatures of these training aids brings out the equality. The inequality that you see within AIDS. Some training aids uh, that are derived from um, um, real materials. Um, well, the definition of real is um, very broad. Um, it's, it's real blur. It's real blurry. <laughs> blurry, broad blurry, because it starts from pristine materials that are hundred percent pure to to, to, to diluents of these materials. And, I mean, diluted to as low as 5%. And they're all still considered real. Um, I'll, I'll give an example of that. 100% um, pure TNT is considered real. 8% TNT, which is represented by Nest, is considered real. 5% TNT, as represented by TrueScent, is considered real. And about 1%, 2% TNT, as represented by Precision Explosives, is considered real. So um, within the concept of using real, the definition of the material itself is so broad but then you could understand, you, you, you could think about how that affects the real real, which is odor. So yes, um, there are a lot of um, there are a lot of things to factor on uh, when it comes to using um, operational targets as odor producers, um, because based on the purities. And based on the definition of real, um, you have different qualities of odor to use to to train a dog. Yeah, I uh, remember a time when you and I were outside the United States. We were well, actually we were in Mexico. We were uh, doing some training. We worked with a lot of different groups while we were down there. Yep, um, they had. Basically had SOPs, you can probably explain it better than me, but they basically had SOPs that said that they had to use a particular um, chemically formulated training aid. And, you know, as a result, we were trying to show them some of the, uh, some of the pitfalls and problems that they could have with that particular training aid. And as a result, um, I think it was 96% response rate, 97% response rate on a mixture of vinegar and uh, talcum powder. Mm, yeah. It's terrifying. 
What were they? Explosive dogs? No, they were drug dogs. Yep, drug um, dogs. That oh. had that had uh, been imprinted and trained using a particular heroin um, formulation that ended up creating a situation where, and I say 96, 97% of them, uh, that other 3 or 4% weren't going to alert on anything. <laughs> That's very opinion, true. So. And if I recall, we actually also did that experiment here in the United States. We did as part of a reliability study, yes. Most certainly, yes. Yeah. Um, Which we caught a lot of crap for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, and um, it's so funny that a lot of dogs do elect um, that are trained on even um, bad heroin. Uh, what I call bad is um, impure or too old. Because it's really hard or virtually impossible in the United States to get pure heroin. I mean, because we get heroin from the DEA, which means they seize it from people, and they've seized it from people that have already diluted this stuff or made it into the final product that they're going to sell on the streets. Um, so, And it's also very difficult to get pure heroin or to purify heroin itself from opium. So um, it, it's um, you have all these different strains and definitions of it, you know, that provide. The most important thing is that when a material, with one material is different from the other, either by dilution or by impurities, you know, then, or by additives, um, you will know that the scent signature too will be different. And it's the scent signature that's really important. And um, we use scent signatures as, and I know you do too, to, we, we use chemically formulated training aids just to make sure that those dogs that have been trained on the scent signatures provided by real materials are doing their job because unfortunately as we've as we've spoken now um, real materials uh, the definition of a real material is so modeled that it represents at least for each material 10 different types of odor qualities depending on the purities, whether additives are added to add to the sense signatures or whether it's diluted to, for example, explosives, 5% is called real. You know, it works, but there are limitations. But now we have two 1% that are still considered real. They work, but at the end of the day, the, 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 the consistency and the repeatability of training outcomes becomes the problem. Yeah, and you you, you say it works. It, and, it, it, and it does. And and Yeah. But, but it but how does it work? That's that's the thing. Yeah. You know, and I think we you know, I've got um, I got a particular detection presentation that I do and, and one of the very first slides in that presentation is three words and and those three words are what is success yes and i think one of the things that we we need to do as a as an industry or as a community is to define what success is that that is absolutely true because if if if, if you're finding 10 percent of what you're if your dog's finding 10 percent of what you're being exposed to does that dog work yeah it's finding, it's finding explosives. It's finding drugs. 
Yes, and but it's only finding ten percent. That's true. And if but then if you don't know when you're missing, you would assume it's a hundred percent, and you have the pride of someone finding a hundred percent. Correct. Which we need further, further studies, further research, and better certification to give us a better idea of what those efficiencies and See more that. importantly inefficiencies are. And I, we'll we'll get to that later. Talking about talking about well, certification. Well, we 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 we've now know that based on the purity of the training aid. Some dogs would not find pure versions of their targets. So some people trained on certain versions of Coke would find impure Coke. The when it's based on the impurity that's within the training aid that they were imprinted on. And they would find pure targets of the impurity. So that shows a level. Um, they'll find pure targets of the impurity or they will not find a pure... They'll find pure targets of the impurities in their target, but they will not find pure targets of the target that they're supposed to look for. Yeah, that's that's what we refer to as, and this is our own terminology, but this, it's a dog that's crossed over. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they've crossed over, right? They've yeah. gone from... Based on reinforcement schedules and poor presentation of training materials, they have switched from the the actual target odor to something completely different. Most different. It. But we blame it on the dog. We say the dog's falsy. You know, with the fentanyl um, analogy, it's just a false that benefits us. But how much, how, how many more kinds of falsing would benefit us? You know, we're lucky that a, 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 a drug that we're looking for is now the impurity. It was, it was an impurity, so now we find an impurity that we are looking for. But how about all the other impurities that we are not looking for that the dog, we, we claim the dog falses on because we want to blame the dog. I mean, of the three main things that brings up a good detector dog, a good trainer, a well-selected training aid, and a well and a well-selected dog. We never blame the training aid, but we've done atrocious things to trainers. We've mangled their reputation. Yeah, this industry's great at eating their own. You know they've did put them they've put them on the skewer. You know, and um, a lot of dogs have been let go you know, sent to to, to the derelict, um, to, to, to those that deal with derelict dogs or non-performing dogs. Oh, yeah, we just just had that happen to us. Um, believe mm. it or not, we, we trained a dog for an agency. We won't name names, but uh, trained a dog for an agency. Um, it was a bomb dog and uh, went through handler school. Um, excellent, excellent dog by our standards and um, long story short it, it, it ended up going after Hanner um, school back to this agency and this particular agency and those um, those individuals there wanted to um, test this dog a little further I guess uh, just to ensure that we had provided them with the proper product and um, first thing out of the gate I'll probably get this wrong but they ended up Bearing some sort of training aid four feet deep, I think it was. <laughs> somebody somebody went so far as yeah. to dig a four foot hole to make a dog fail because 
it was trained in a way and manner that they weren't familiar with. I think it was something, wasn't it pretty small? Yeah, it was like a, it was very small. I don't remember exactly what the quantity and, and stuff I'm thinking was. it was debt cord, actually. Yeah, I know, I know there was for sure debt cord at some point in their test. I don't know if that's what they buried or not, but I do remember that like every situation was set up to prove where the dog was the problem. And there was never once to stop and look at where's the issue in our test? Where's the issue in um, like the way we do things? Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, you're pulling a dog that's been trained pretty much on scent logics and then it, giving it to training aids that's who knows how old. Uh, 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 and then you, you have a four feet deep is a mind detection scenario. Yeah. So you want a bum dog to act like a man dog. Yeah, but you had not been trained point. for that. No. Yeah, at that point, you'd not been trained for that. Um, and so you're mind just, detection you're training is secondary training to bum detection training. It's a it's like a graduate degree to a dog. Yeah. So it's like yeah. it's set up from failure from the beginning. Most definitely. But yes. I feel like we've had that scenario happen a few times of dogs that are trained on good training aids, and then um, we'll even have them work real that is fresh and we do know that it's not um a super minute percentage while they're here um and then they'll go back and they'll be working uh real dope in their training at home that's so old sometimes it doesn't even look like what it's supposed to anymore and then when the dog won't hit on it it's because the dog's bad well that's one thing people need to understand Uh, it's possible and this is what we dream to be to, to train a dog so well that we should be able to trust it. And when it alerts on something, we know it has to do with our training. And when it doesn't alert on something, we know it has to do with our training because we've trained the dog to trust it. And when we train a dog to trust, we, we go via what the dog does um, whether a dog sits or a dog doesn't sit. You know, I think um, it's, it's very important that we train a dog to a level which we can trust the dog. And a lot of us secretly don't trust our dogs, um, especially in the explosives detection realm. I mean, how many Leos are going to ever find a bomb? Less than 1%. And I think a lot of Leos know that. So after a while, training becomes a game. Um, and I think, the, I mean, more, more so the bomb dog community than the drug dog community, they play a lot of games uh, with their definition of real, with their training practices, even though they know more than the drug dog people in the sense that the bomb dog people know that when you train with pure PTM, you find dead cord, you find data sheet, you find some, you find some forms of semtex. You know they know the importance of pure of 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 imprinting with pure derivatives, and they're lucky that most of their training aids they get when it's real, they're they're pure. They're just old, and then age matters when it comes to older. But purity, yes, but the drug drug community. They believe that we need to train with street to find street. And that's a big problem. Because, okay, if you want to train with street, 
what is the composition of that street? They don't know. Because by the time it gets into the street, I mean, even cocaine that comes in from outside the country, it's not like in the 90s that was 80-something, 90-something percent. The average purity of coke that comes into our country now is like 68%. So by the time it's diluted on the street, it's less than 30%. So at the end of the day, how can we then train with that? when we don't even know the kinds of impurities that are in there. Back in the days, we had impurities like creatine, um, uh, baking soda and stuff, but now there are a load more of impurities that are in there that I don't, I mean, I'm going to talk about, including fentanyl, including strychnine, rat poison. So when you taste it, it tastes bitter, and you might think it's an alkaloid. Oh, it's it's real coke. A lot of stuff. I know personally of at least 30 different materials that I add into cocaine. Uh, So, and a typical coke would have probably like four of them, three of them out of 30. So even without knowing what kind of adulterant is in your training aid, it's difficult to know what else your dogs might alert on. So there's that different. There's that difficulty. I mean, using the, the word "real" has messed up a lot of things, and it is time for us to have better definitions to be able to to know how real that real is as a training aid producer. I like to see at times when what we call training aids now are simply called training aid producers because odor is our training aid. I cannot overemphasize that enough. Odor and all these materials are nothing but training aid producers. Yeah, I want to stay on topic, but switch gears just a little bit and talk about um, something you and I have discussed quite a bit uh, here in the past, and that's uh, soaks. Um, Mm. It seems like like soaks started off as kind of the cool thing to do and, um, you know, again, as this industry goes, everybody came up with their own terminology for it. It was uh, low odor threshold training. Mm, it was this, yeah. it was that. And, you know, everybody's soaking a Q-tip or a cotton ball or a toothpick or a broken matchstick or whatever the case may be and uh, permeating it in um, target materials. We'll say that. And... Um, and and then now all of a sudden it seems as though these these types of things are turning into training and imprint aids. Yeah, yeah. I I, I hear some social media, um, what do you call them? So, um, social social media um, people chatter. Hmm? Social media chatter and You're those like influencers, in, influencers, people who are yeah. influencing. Yeah, I've heard about social media influencers redefine soaks and um, call it another name. Um, One name within the scientific community for those that deal with soaks, um, one name they call it is polymer, um, P-O-C-R, polymer, blah, blah. It's called P-O-C-R where they use um, silicones to absorb odor. Um, There are some materials that are, 
um, out there too that are standalone materials like um, um, GetScent, um, which um, is a polymer tube that they say could absorb odor. You know, um, all these are soaks. And of course, what's a soak? A soak's residual odor. You know, so all soaks can actually be called residual odor training aids. And if I can recall, in your world, you're told not to train with residual odor. So well, cert- certain certain dogs and certain teams absolutely don't want to train with residual odor. Yeah, loader. they don't want to train with residual odor. So, but then I guess when you call it a soak and the connection's not made that a soak is residual odor, a lot of people do not know. And a lot of um, social influences, social media have gone further to to redefine the soak and call it, oh, it's an odor-absorbed material. Sure. It's a soak. But then, how do you make a soak? You cannot make a soak from a training aid that's producing odors that would not, that's not, that, that's producing odors that do not envelope the containment. When you're using a training aid that provides scents and then you want to make a soak out of a scent, it becomes a difficult situation. You got to make soaks out of odors and you got to make, and, and, I don't know whether it makes sense. For example, if I want my shirt to smell of cigarettes, I should go to a place that cigarettes smells like I should go to a 10 by 10 room where 80 people are smoking cigarettes in there. Like a little booth they used to have in Atlanta airport. Yeah, I was thinking about the airports right now. Yeah, you go in there like, God, you can't wait to get out. But once you got your nicotine fix, you leave. Yeah, so you, 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 got, you can't go to a 10 by 10 room where once somebody's smoking half a cigarette and then the person smokes half that cigarette, how long are you going to stay in there before you smell of cigarette smoke when the cigarette smoke itself is dissipating at the same rate? You don't get an effective soak. When you're soaking with DEA Coke or DEA this or DEA that, where you don't even know the purity of the soak, you know, and then you have cocaine that's even 60% pure, or even 80% pure, but then the 20% impurity has a 200% greater affinity to be absorbed by the absorbent in contrast to the training aid itself. And then a, and then a greater affinity to be released by the... And a greater... Of, to be dissolved by the something. Yeah. Then I'm glad you mentioned that because absorption is different from desorption. Just because it goes in doesn't mean it comes out. It doesn't mean it comes out. Yeah. You know, how how much of it comes out? Because some is still held some still held back. How much is held back? You know, before how much is held back and how much comes out and what rate does what come out now is below the olfactory threshold of the dog, even though it's still coming out. When does the generation rate become below the olfactory threshold of the dog? We don't know. And what does that incomplete scent picture look like? What does that incomplete scent picture look like? Because a soak is a material that's absorbing odor. Due to the material characteristics, it might not absorb all the components within the odor. Most plastics don't. 
most plastics are selective in their absorptivities. That's why we call plastics that are that are that are fabricated as clean sheets for absorption or for we call them membranes, semi-permeable membranes. They are selective based on on the material from which they are fabricated. For example, materials soluble in water or aqueous materials cannot pass through plastic. Neither can their odors. You know, oil-soluble materials like gasoline and stuff can pass through plastics based on their composition. So when you have odor that comprises of hydrophilic components, components within the sense signature, hydrophobic components within the sense signature, oleophobic components within the sense signature, high molecular, uh, polar components within the sense signature, non-polar components within the sense signature, oleoph- oleophilic components within the sense signature. Now, I've, so I've, I've divided odor now into their components now. Not all of these components can come out. So if there are seven components, for example, within the headspace of herring, four might come out. The other three are left within the plastic because there's incompatibility. Now, what's going to happen? Incomplete odor picture. That's right. But still a training aid. But the training aid, the training odor, no, it's a training odor, but it's now not equivalent to parent odor anymore. Since we don't think about odor, it's the material we think about. We generalize everything still as real. And then we have all these complications and we wonder why we have these complications. But it's because of our misconception of real. I consider it an institutionalized misconception. Because those that we tell anything different to, Sometimes they need to go back to their mentors and say, well, I heard this. I heard this shit. Is it true? And if the mentor, the, 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 the junior God says, no, don't, don't mind those pseudo people. The person then disengages from, from the truth and don't even want to hear about it anymore. Yeah. yeah. So, Continuing on with this conversation about soaks, yeah. you know, and, and again, this low odor threshold training. That, that, that it's, a, it's, a, it's a very dangerous thing to talk about soaks, um, to use soaks. Uh, now, I mean, you can put a cotton pad. Number one, in order to create an efficient soak, the odor generator must be generating copious amounts of odor. Should saturate the compartment in which the absorbent or the soak is in but how could you do that the companies that make soaks cannot do that you know number one they in order to keep the concept of real they're using either they'll call it um, they, they buy they buy the material from a from a pharmaceutical company or they go to the dea dea shit impure <laughs> No, unfortunately, it's been the uh, sort of gold standard for training aids for years for this industry, but uh, yeah, it's not pure. And when you're making a soak? DEA does not, does not purify nor no. 
Uh, they just seize yeah. and distribute and distribute. Asked handlers, you know, I ask them like, why? Why are you doing soaks? And a lot of the times, I don't know that they can give us a solid answer as to why they're doing it. Well, they saw somebody on some influencer. Yeah, it it's the influencers. And if and if they do get an an- if we do get an answer, it's that they're wanting to train on smaller amounts. Yeah. Well, yeah, train on smaller amounts because influencers are always also telling them. I know some influencers that advocate training on smaller amounts. I know influencers that say, oh, just open up the Logix package. Cut it, cut because it it's Yeah, cut it open and use it because it's too, it, the odor is too intense. Yeah, that's where I was going. So they say they want to train on small amounts. And, and then in talking to them, um, I, I dig a little further. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the why guy. So I, why, why, why? So what I, what I consistently was getting was I want the dog to be more intentful in its searching behavior. I want it to I want it to put its nose on like every square inch of this car and check it down every crack, nook, seam, everything, right? And yeah. and I'm going to put out such a low threshold of odor that I'm going to create this situation where this dog has to, you know, sniff every little crack, which is kind of funny because for quite some time and I think both of you can agree we would we would get complaints from agencies who would come look at dogs that we had that were trained that were available for sale and and consistently one of the biggest complaints that we got was that the dog quote found it too easily Soon. yeah that's a problem that's the well that's a problem with Logic's dogs yeah it's, yeah it's, they make things look so easy yes why <laughs> Why, right? So yeah. some people say, well, it puts out too much odor, right? As you said, we see people cutting the bags open. Yeah. Um, by the some, way, some by the way, if you've invested in Scent Logics, don't do that shit. No, and and may, may I say why? Sure. Because Scent Logics is like having a bucket that has eight million balls with it, with eight different colors of a million each. So that means that you have a bucket with balls eight. 8 million balls of a ratio of 1 to 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 1. Now, if you took a scoop out of that bucket, are you sure that the scoop is going to contain the same ratio of balls? Equal number of each. Equal number of each. Never. We can't guarantee that. Not mathematically. Not statistically. Not even through prayer. So, that's why we suggest don't do it. Don't open it because you're messing up the scent signature in ways in which we cannot help you. Oh yeah, that was but a really good explanation. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know, you know, but we see social influencers though saying, "Oh, it smells so, so great." I mean, we tell it's our, too loud or yeah, it's too client, much. We say, "You get what you pay for." And if I was going to communicate with you, if I say. I say, oh, Shayna, how are you? It's different. She hears it loud and clear. She doesn't need to say, what'd you say, David? And that's how odor is. Odor should be loud and clear to a dog. And when odor is loud and clear, trust me, just watch them perform. You know, I have practitioners all over the world that have used Senlogics, and I know those. I mean, I don't know if I can name names. Yeah. Could I call a few names? Sure. Yeah, like someone like Sinead. 
Um, Sinead Mbaro is a practitioner. I think she went to school here too. Yeah, Sinead went to school here. I mean, there's a young lady that trains on Saint Logics. She went to a, a junkyard. She'd never been before. Asked them whether she could train. She said, "Yeah." They said, "Yeah." She placed her aid in a car, and um, she started um, walking. And the car, the dog started alerting on another car. And uh, first time the dog did it, she kind of wanted to ignore it, but the dog went back there. So she had to ask the dude at the junkyard, um, how long this car been here? He always been there a long time, it's a junk car. She said, can I check in this car, please? And she opened the car, and there were two marijuana, two, two, two marijuana um, seeds in it. You know, and I'm sure that practitioners, I mean, I've heard loads of stories from practitioners to about how low they can go with marijuana i mean with our bed bug aids people find a single bed bug well you talk about how low sound like Paula lomax single bed bugs you know and of course with bed bug detention too detection they have the same challenges that we have in explosives or narcotics in the sense that when when there are large amounts the dog walks it when you see visual amount visual amounts of bed bed bugs in a room you think, oh my God, I can see the bed bugs myself. My dog's going to find it. The dog walks it. So they have those problems too. But with Saint Logics, you could find a single seed of weed. You could buy smudges. I mean, you do not need that separation. Why? Because I think we're proving that when you train with large, when you train with loud, you, you, what you, what, what you are, the conversation is so clear. That the dog knows that the dog can understand it when it's quiet. Yeah, talking yeah. about talking about going low, um, doesn't get lower than nothing. It doesn't and get low. Thing. It doesn't like bed bug detection. It doesn't get lower than one bed bug. Well, know. it does. It gets down to nothing. And <laughs> and we did, um, you know, we did some research um, a number of years ago on um, residual. How long does residual the older, remain? Yes, you did that. Right? And, and yeah. that was based on the Florida versus Harris case. You know, it was one of the many things that came out of that that raised some questions where we wanted to look into it. Because Did you publish it? Um, in On our website. It's published on our website. Okay. Yes. Um, again, not, a, not a white paper. It's not peer-reviewed. I hadn't had 20 PhDs look at it. No, but we put the information out there because we felt like it was important to the community. So we just did it. That's fantastic. Um, on our website, and it's been published in a magazine or two. But long story short, what we found was um, that after permeating six different substrates, uh, only for four hours, that that odor remained at a detectable level to this group of dogs that it got tested against consistently um, for more than 26, 7, 8, 9 days. I can't remember without having it right in front of you. You must have used logics. We did, in fact, use Scentlogix. Okay, you yeah. used odor. Yeah, so yeah. so again, you know, these were dogs that were imprinted and trained on Scentlogics. Yeah. People say, well, why didn't you use real? Well, because we wanted to have some control over it, and there is no control with real. Yeah, you need a standard. Yeah, and, and our not. standard was Scentlogix. Yeah. And then what we found was, you know, that residual odor remained for some great period of time if people are interested again go to go to the website tactical police canine training.com and it's going to be on their residual odor research under um, the news tab yeah you yeah go back a couple pages yeah, it's under the news tab and it's 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 been out a while so um 
But yeah, that's, that's so that's nothing, right? Mm-hmm. The same dog's capable of finding large quantities, and we've seen that consistently in operational environments. Well, the the, the thing is that um, the standard you used to you 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 used an odor gener you used a strong odor generating training aid. You did not use a weak odor generating training aid, or Neither did you use a scent generating training aid. Like, for example, what I mean by that, that if you've used DEA drugs, for example, in a plastic bag for four hours, you will get a different rate in which the dogs feel about. If you used any of our, we don't really have any competitors because everybody say they're real and we say we're older. But if you use any other companies out there that fabricate training aids, you know, if you if you if if you use them, yeah, if you use their training aids, you would also see um, that there will be less times for the dogs um, not to before they they don't use it anymore. Um, Jack scent is a material, an absorbent um, that serves that's being used as a soak. Get scent um, from um, some France. Um, um, some it's been sold in the United States and it's been marketed as a training aid. Um, people here, some scientists have um, published um, papers on how long the odor lasts. Uh, it doesn't last as much as the social media influencer who sells it say it lasts. It doesn't last as the manufacturers say it lasts. They'll say it lasts six months. Um, but those that the scientists, um, it's a recent publication, I think about maybe three, four months, maybe six months, because I've lost track of time this year. Um, no more than six months ago, this was published, and um, the, the the scientist analyzed um, chemically formulated all, all the commercially available TATP training aids, of which this Jensent was amongst. And from there, it's easy to see the longevity of these aids. And also the odor quality, because um, this scientist did a, a great job in, in the odor analysis of these materials. And from her results, it's evident that um, these materials don't hold all the same components. I'll say, for example, there are four components in the headspace of TATP. But within this scientific publication, the soaks had just one. Even though I think there were claims that this was good, but it's not good. Because when you only have TATP in the sense signature of TATP, it can't happen. You don't have TNT in the sense sig alone in the sense signature of TNT. You know, because a sense signature is different from its odor. So when you have just TATP in the odor of TATP, it tells me that there's a problem with the way your instrumentation has been set up or there's a problem in the way you've imprinted the data that you got because it cannot happen like that, especially when TATP is known to sublime. What's sublime? Sublime is when the material goes from solid to gas. So... Within that experiment, they were somehow, maybe due to the heat within the machine, due to the temperature controls within the machine, I mean, it is either 
that they sublimed TATP and they got sublimed TATP as the data, or the materials themselves only held certain components within the sense signature of TATP that they only had TATP. I mean, there are about six components in the headspace of TATP, um, six probable components, you know, at any given time. Um, the based on reaction conditions and the way it was measured, I mean, they claimed Logix had four, but they also claimed that in Logix they opened it up for 300 days and it still had odor. Whilst those soaks, none of them lasted a month. Whereas Synlogix lasted 300 days. They stopped the experiment at about 300 or 250 days. I can't really remember because the experiment, the, 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 the Synlogix was still live. Um, for HMTD, they stopped it, I think, around 250 days with the odor still going up. Up? Up. Wow. 300 days. I mean, scientists, they've published these papers. These papers are out there. But then, like I said, as scientists, we publish, but we don't plug it in to the community. We need to share our publications aggressively, I believe, with the community, because without the community knowing what we're doing, we're full of shit. The, 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 the connection between us scientists and the community is, is, is a measure of the commitment of the scientist. Because sometimes practitioners don't like scientists. They, they are, they are, not that they don't, they're skeptical. Uh, they, don't, they don't speak the same language a yeah. lot of times. <laughs> but we, we scientists, we have to insist and be insistent that you're going to be my friend. Maybe because I need you. Because you need to validate my yeah. stuff. Yeah, what I'm saying here. What yeah. I'm saying. Or I'm still an opinionist. I'm still someone just shooting our opinions without the validation of a practitioner. So for us at Logics, that's why we've mingled with practitioners since we started. That's why we made canines our peers instead of humans. Because, I mean, I'm good enough a scientist to convince a scientist just by choosing data, particular parts of the data to prove my point. But I'm not serving a scientist. I'm serving a detection community. And I'm more, more so serving a dog. Yeah. I'm a dog servant, brother. They're hard, to, they're hard to fool. They're hard to fool. I have to come out with the truth. If I start with the dog first, then I would learn truth even if I did not know truth. And then I'll be a better human. Then I can come back to humans and then tell them the truth because I've been imprinted by truth seekers. And that's the kind of problem I have now. I've dealt so much with dogs and learned so much f from dogs that, and probably I'm old enough now that I don't lie. I don't need to. And I don't particularly need to because I've learned the truth. And I'm coming back. I'm not moving forward to tell human beings what I know or what we know at Logics. We are going back to where humans are standing to tell them what we've learned about their partners and how they could be better with their partners 
at the same time because we've learned some things from partners. Awesome. So when we come back after the break, we want to talk a little bit about how Scent Logics will hold up in court. Mm. Quite a bit, quite a bit to talk about there. So, and we're going to cover a few other things. We will be back in just a minute. Royal Canin delivers precise nutritional solutions so your dog can perform at their very best level. The individual health of every dog is as unique as they are. However, these health needs are often characteristic of their size, breed, or lifestyle. Each individual recipe is formulated to deliver the exact level of natural antioxidants, vitamins, fiber, prebiotics, and minerals that are essential to your pet's unique health needs. Discover how Royal Canin products can help every pet enjoy its best health possible. To achieve a perfect balance of nutrients for each dog, they rely on an extensive network of canine experts across the globe, including veterinarians, universities, dog professionals, and their own research and development center in France. Royal Canin helps your dogs train and perform at their full potential. To learn more about Royal Canin, visit them on the web at royalcanin.com. Highland Canine Training offers affordable and proven dog training solutions to resolve even the most difficult of dog problems. Founded in 2006, Highland Canine Training also offers quality working dogs to meet the increasingly demanding requirements of today's military and law enforcement agencies. In addition, they offer first-class canine education programs at their school for dog trainers. So far, they've hosted students from over 30 different countries. The School for Dog Trainers offers affordable financing and accepts GI Bill and VA benefits. The Service Dog Training Division at Highland Canine Training develops and trains some of the best service dogs in the industry and offers worldwide delivery. Their commitment to customer service and support continues to set them apart from the competition and makes them a leader in the industry. Visit HighlandCanine.com or call 866-200-2207 to learn more and see the difference. Thanks for sticking with us for that quick break. Um, speaking of breaks, on an earlier break, Shane, I got onto this topic of the court and the legalities. So I'll, I'll let you go back to that. So I would say probably numerous times we have um, heard that, you know, people, handlers in particular, are not wanting to use scent logics or, you know, any kind of chemically formulated training aid due to the fact that they think that they will have issues in court. Well, and, and just to add to that, there there are people who make claims that uh, the, there's already been a court ruling that says you can't use scent logics. Wow. Yeah. Well, um, there's never been a court ruling that you cannot use scent logics or any other chemically formulated training aid or any other material at all. There's not been a court ruling that you, ca you can't use baby's diapers either to find cocaine. Um, the um, Back in the days, and God, may God bless his soul, you know, I had a very good and strong relationship with a gentleman called Terry Fleck um, who, 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 had, who handled legal, legal updates. I think he was the first in the country, in the uh, country in the United States to do that. And, oh, yeah, um, long-standing, very 
very well respected in regards yes. to that. Taught a lot of classes. I sat in a lot of classes, had an opportunity to meet Terry. Yeah, yeah Canine Legal Updates, wonderful guy. May God bless his soul, you know. And, um, I mean, I asked him personal questions then because, Terry, you also use his logics, if I must say. And he says, um, David, no, there's nothing. And I think within his, um, his webpage then, Canine Fleck, which has now been handled um, by another good gentleman, um, and I think it's called another name now, um, Terry Fleck. So yeah, is it sheep Sheepdog. Dog? Sheepdog. Yeah, yeah Sheepdog. Um, so within their annals and within their archives, um, he's doing a great job, and he's like Terry's son. I see him as an extension of um, of, of, of Terry. You know, um, he, I mean, there, I mean, it's stated. I mean, I asked the same question, Terry, mentioned about the same thing and said no um because um as long as your um training records are there and your training records could show that your dog finds real stuff your training records can show that no matter what you're using your dog does not false um i think um you're good to go i mean no i'm i think i'm sure that you're good to go um most legal um most of the legal blah blahs that go on um has to do mostly they challenge our leos uh, based on their training records and they try to say a few things other than that <clears throat> but um you know now that we know that oh they say oh does your dog train on cocaine and cocaine alone yes you know my dog trains on cocaine but cocaine alone and we go through that but really, we know we don't train on cocaine. We train on cocaine odor. You know, so even those kinds of languages within courts are detrimental to a canine's uh, to a to to a, to a canine officer's um, interpretation, you know, and understanding um, of things. You know, um, no, um, there are no legal standoffs anywhere in the world. That mandates what you should train with. Um, I think in courts, um, what they all want to know is the capability of your dog. Is and the your, overall reliability. The yeah. overall reliability of your dog. And I don't really think it matters if your dog is certified or not. Mm. I think training records more important than a certification because once you've shown extensive records of fines and of training it kind of proves that you're kind of certified because certification could be given internally as your boss can say oh you've been certified just based on your training records alone so yeah i think certification is definitely something we'll talk about here in a bit but um i, th I think i think certification is important yes it is but but I, but I also believe that our current standards for certification are lacking severely sort of across the board um and yeah definitely touch on that but yeah I, th I think certifications are important but i do not know whether it's taken as that important in in court more to, taken to be more important than like you said the reliability the reliability of the of the dog itself as proven by its training records yeah so Sort of going back, I don't want to use scent logics because yeah. it won't hold up in court. Um, oh no, then that's uh, saying that no, that's uh, that's a lie. 
not only will it hold up in court, I say that because it has held up in court um, when a lot of our, I mean, it's gone to court. A lot We have a lot of practitioners that use SendLogics and they've, um, they've, they've found hides and they've taken people to court based on that and they've won. I mean, I do not know of anyone that's had a problem in court. Yeah, you know, simply by saying they use Scent Logics. We've been using Scent Logics exclusively for a decade. I mean, we've had yeah. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dogs who, as you said, ten, over ten have, years have had operational fines. Some of them huge. <laughs> Go back to episode one, Gary talked to Lieutenant Simpson there. His his last dog, Abby, uh, that he mentions in that episode was trained on Scent Logics, and I'll be honest with you, he was a massive skeptic. Uh, Really had a lot of concerns about that dog being trained on scent logics because historically it was his his previous dog was trained on real materials, and you know he he's been in in and out of court a lot, um, and he was concerned. I think that's a great way to put it, uh, you know. But he's had case after case after case, and and it's it's really sort of my experience that you know a defense attorneys are not going to dive into chemistry class in a court of law. No, they don't not. they don't like jumping into subjects that they don't know much about. Most definitely, yes. And really, you know, we sort of joked about it before, but the last thing I think any defense attorney wants to do is to start talking about odor chemistry with somebody like yourself. Because we are ready to come to court anytime for any of our users at all. We're Yes, <laughs> we'll be delighted. So any Logics user, Leos, please know that. If you have a core problem or if you're preparing your cases, we're willing to help and assist. We've done it under many circumstances and um, we'll, we'll be honored to, 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 to be a part of your team, your legal team. Yeah, yeah. and, and another, another one that sort of came up on an earlier break was, was this discussion about marijuana, which is super hot button right now. Um, so I'll, I'll let you sort of return to that one too. So, yeah, we were talking a little bit about, um, as marijuana is becoming legal in different parts and it kind of keeps being a blurry area. Um, but I was just curious about your takes on if you have a dog that is not trained on marijuana, but is consistently being exposed, say, on traffic stops or when they're searching, and they're consistently getting uh, paid when that odor is present, very similar to the fentanyl story you had in the first episode, um, what kind of issues could that have long-term for that dog and team? Uh, that's a great question. <clears throat> if, you tra- if you have a dog that's not trained, if you have a drug detection dog that's not trained on marijuana and the dog's operational, the dog would eventually start alerting on marijuana. Why? Because marijuana is associated, found associated with all these other drugs. In a way, I mean, no drug dealer or no illegal person would say, oh, I'm going to keep my marijuana different from my cocaine or my heroin. Everything's typically bundled together. I believe even with the DEA, when they have fines, the fines are always enveloped together too or put in one compartment as a case so yeah one kilo of marijuana one kilo of heroin and stuff like that <clears throat> i don't think most of your drug dealers have the knowledge and education to have the storage and <laughs> yeah, storage to, to, techniques to keep them from being contaminated and, and uh, humanly too it's not uh, humanly um it's 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 
it's it's not humanly worthwhile to waste time having eight bags where you could just put one in one and then how many hidden compartments are you going to have in your car you know for example you even have one specially for marijuana you know or how many you know or, or, or are you, how there, there will be no differentiations you know and then most times marijuana is the most you know and um it's obvious marijuana is just marijuana within a drug catch is just as common as fentanyl is without with within the opiates as being a part of the opiates you know so it just like we said about fentanyl um, as reflected by the as as stated by the hits um, podcast on fentanyl 2 you know where dogs eventually started alerting on fentanyl in pristine on pristine unadulterated fentanyl and they've never been trained before on fentanyl but just because of the regularity of fentanyl within their target materials and within their training aids we will have the same with marijuana so those that are saying we ain't going to bring our dogs on marijuana well don't if you think that's a best way to do it even though i think it's best to go through a procedural route you know to to deal with interdictions you know it the the, the the fact still remains that your dog is still going to be eventually imprinted on marijuana as we've seen with the fentanyl incidents and then you will be then you will have to to get involved in a program where you have to prove your dogs off the marijuana and when i say proving i don't think that you are making your dog not know marijuana no you are making your dog disregard marijuana so your dog knows this is marijuana but you've trained your dog don't alert on this because that's what proving of is the knowledge is already there to the dog you're just saying okay you know this but you know this as something to avoid not gonna so this not something, something that's not gonna not gonna provide you with reinforcement yeah something that don't, that's not gonna give you value yeah some of that's not gonna give you a reward but you a, know it I made you know it, but I'm making you know it not to sit on it. But there's a camp out there that says that's impossible, right? You can't do it. You, you, of there's course no it's way, possible. There's no way you can teach a dog to not respond to marijuana. And um, I, I don't, I, you know, if that's true, how do we train drug dogs and teach them not to respond to explosive odors, teach them not to respond to human odor, teach them not to respond to other other objects yeah. in their search environment like yeah like Plastic. balls and yeah. plastics yeah. and etc etc pro- probably as a novice it would be something i'll think about a lot but um as a scientist as a behavioral scientist because um what people also don't know i have a dual degree in biochemistry and psychology i stayed in college extra because i wanted a combined degree with psychology and i did behavioral psychology for a few years and i was so good at it that I actually, um, after graduation, I was employed as a lecturer. And we'll call it lecturer in England, but it's like a uh, associate professor in psychology. So my academic life started as a social psychology lecturer. And I was still in school then doing my PhD. So I know a lot about behavioral science and stuff like that. But that notwithstanding... Um, there's been work done by Florida International University, um, FIU, Dr. Ken Furton and his colleagues, um, whereby 
they imprinted dogs on marijuana and the dogs were also alerting on hemp. Of course, there's a close similarity between marijuana and hemp. Probably the main difference being the amounts of THC that they have within them. You know, and um, in Florida, as I was made to believe, um, hemp is legal, but marijuana is not. And they have high, they have a high trade in hemp. And um, of course, no trade in my, no legal trade in marijuana. So the challenge was, could you prove dogs of hemp and they only alert on marijuana? And um, the, the academics at Florida International, um, Dr. Lauren and um, Dr. Frank, um, they were able to successfully prove dogs of hemp that the dogs only alerted on marijuana. So, if they were able to prove dogs of a closely related sense signature, you know, in order to be species-specific, um, it would be easy to, to prove um, such against an opiate. They're two, they're two different things. So, yes, I mean... You should be able to prove marijuana off of a dog. Um, we just have to understand what proving off means. And I think that's, that's a matter of tr- training experience. You know, pro- proving, off, proving a dog off it is not motivated forget, f- forgetting. You're not motivating the dog to forget. Nobody forgets anything, you know. But it's just to say we've changed the perspective you should have to this odor, you still know it. The outcome's going to be different. Yeah, but the outcome, you're not getting, you're not going to get rewarded for sitting on this anymore. So don't even bother, girly. Yeah. You know, walk on by, and actually, I might just, if I feel like it, and I think you are sitting down too much, then I have to condition you, not to do it anymore. You know, because something you know what when I understand that I've 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 I have taught you to like if I'm talking Nipopo now, I was like once I've I've taught you to do something and I know you know you shouldn't and then you do it again, I'll give you a corrective steam for it to make you know that you shouldn't do that again. You know, then correction comes in when I feel I've taught you enough, something that you've been sitting on before I've been praising you for. And I don't want you to sit on it again. Then, I mean, as a trainer, I would know exactly how to make that happen. It is possible. It's been done. And it has also been done by the scientists to prove that it happens. I mean, I, I wish they would publish a paper on it, FIU. Um, they done very. They did very extensive work on it. Oh, so it's not been published. I don't even know. Um, I don't. I don't know. I'll tell you I, what. I, I knew. I'll tell you what has been published. Uh, uh, basically, a memo of finding from uh, our largest North Carolina state law enforcement agency that said that that the dogs are trained to and respond to THC, and because they are trained to and respond to THC. And I'm sort of uh, trust me, I'm paraphrasing this, but mm-hmm. basically, it, it basically this memorandum of findings says that 
Um, if you have a dog that's imprinted and trained on marijuana, that there's no way that those dogs, because what they understand from that odor is THC, there's no way for them to exclude. Um, yeah, that's right. Hemp and other that's puppycock. <laughs> that's puppycock. Yeah, um, that's uh, British for that's, bullshit. Yeah, yes, brother. <laughs> it is British for bullshit. Tra- translating for everybody. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, dogs don't. Number one. Odor, it's not a singular entity in the headspace. Cocaine doesn't smell of cocaine, like we said. And if marijuana is going to smell of something, it will be of marijuana and not of THC. We humans took THC as an important ingredient within marijuana. However, what's the percentage of THC in a marijuana plant? It depends on the species of the plant. Where it was grown. Where it was grown. It depends on whether it was a male, whether you're holding a male plant or whether you've been sold a male plant rather than a female because females are more potent. Is whether you have a flower rather than leaves because flowers are more potent. Yeah, females are always the best <laughs> in everything. But then you're, you have to remember only female mosquitoes bite humans too. Birds. The males are prettier. That's very true. Just saying. <laughs> you know? At least you got birds. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, at least we got birds, right? Yeah. I mean, it's so, so it's. Uh, but again, to me, that goes back to looking at the material and having the inability to separate it from its odor. That's right? Saying, saying, saying dogs respond to THC. Okay, I'll ask, what's the percentage of THC in a marijuana material? It's never up to 20%. It's low. Extremely low. I think some of the highest ever found in the U.S. was at one point from a hydroponic grow in the Pacific Northwest or something like that. How much? Oh, I don't know, but it was was not not incredibly high. It was just the highest recorded... Um, and it was like some teenager growing hydroponic weed in his mama's basement. Yeah, as a as a synthetic or as a as a seventeen year old synthetic organic chemist, I was very interested in drugs. Um, just to be, not to not to use them, but to make them. And this is why everybody in law enforcement should appreciate the fact that you're playing for the good guys. <laughs> oh, yes, people that know me, yes, they, I, I believe they should. Um, they, Yes, they should. Oh, yeah, but I, I thank God where, I'm, I, I, I mean, 911 changed my life. I didn't know what I, there was a time in my life um, when I came to the United States as a 29-year-old. I came, actually came to be a mercenary chemist. I said I was going to go for the highest bidder. I had myself well trained, and I came down here. And then um, I stayed. Mercenary chemist. I didn't know that was a thing. Well, I defined it. Yeah, a chemist who could just. Freelance. Fuck shit up. Yeah, (laughs) just freelance. Because a chemist is more like a, a little god. You create. You can destroy. You could either make or destroy, you know, uh, things. And I came to the United States, and I and uh, I stayed with my family in Rhode Island. And I had a friend. I made some friends in Rhode Island, and they 
and uh, I, I and uh, one of my friends kind of knew a little bit about me because I had pen pals um, in Rhode Island too, um, based on the fact that I had family living there. And um, one day he said, David, um, I want to take you to meet some of my friends. And he took me to a beautiful street on, in Providence where the actually even the light bulbs, the, 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 light, the, 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 the street lights were different. So maybe those who know. Providence who know where this is. And I went to a place, invited me and took me to some people, and they offered me a million dollars to make steroids out of yams. I mean, and I could do that. Out of yams, to extract steroids out of yams, out of natural products, and I could do that. But they mentioned a country where I was going to do it at, and they're going to fit me up and stuff like that. And I said, I think a country where they had yams, you know. And um, I was very happy about it, and I told my friends back in England, oh, my God, I'm now going to be that mercenary scientist. And um, I was dating my girl then, she was back in England, she said, David, how about if you went there and they just locked you up and they tied you up and they said, you greasy MF, you know, we got you here now, now for your life. Make us a kilo, then we'll let you go. Hmm. And I thought about it. I'm like, hmm, that's a possibility. I'll be in a new, strange land. As a, and I didn't go. Price, but, price figured out the price of being a mercenary. It might come with a cost, yeah? Total cost. <laughs> but then I also realized I got what I wished for. But when I was confronted with it, it didn't smell good. You know? Uh, at that point, I, I reached a wall for my dreams of just wanting to be a badass motherfucker without thinking about whom I, whom I served. So I decided to go back to academia that I thought was the best place for me, just to stay neutral, just to be there and um, get grant monies and have graduate students as slaves, <laughs> to do my work, you know, and um, yeah, graduate students are slaves, and it's like being a CEO with all these employees you don't need to pay for because they are yours. Why? Because they publish for you. You're going to get the star on the publication, your name's going to be on the publication. I mean, it's probably the best CEO to be. I mean, Sometimes as a, I mean, that's why we don't publish really a lot because if I, if we were to publish, my staff wouldn't be doing anything but writing papers and pushing papers and maybe take three months for a publication. So within those three months, we're not going to do anything but, but publish, you know, so that challenge is there and that's why we don't do, you know, we don't have the time, we don't have the privilege, we don't have the, the luck you know, to be able to go that route, you know. But, um, yeah, um, after that, my life, so I, I ended up in academia where I was and where I've decided, where I decided to just do that before 9-11 came and uh, brought me a, a new challenge and um, shift, shifted me. I became a patriot due to 9-11. Before that, I was, uh, I was me, just for me. Which my life was mine. I was ready to exploit whatever I needed to exploit to be whom I think I wanted to be. 
But 9-11 gave me a cause, gave me a focus, gave me a reason. I guess to be what we might now call a patriot. There's a lot of room for a lot more of those. <laughs> yeah. I I got into it by mis but not by mistake, but by Chance. circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I'm I'm change. glad of the choice I eventually fell into. I'm glad of, of this choice. Yeah. I support the good guys. I've made my pitch now and that's it. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be here forever. Well, we're we're definitely glad you're on this side. Um, one other thing I want to talk about before we before we end this one. Uh, this could go on forever, but we won't we won't subject you to that. <laughs> <laughs> Just so many, so so much information. Um, certification standards. Ooh. Yeah. So I've taken issue with certification standards for quite some time as. As a lot of people know, that uh, I feel as though there are a great number of standards out there right now that I feel are just really too too easy. Oh yeah, they're they're not truly validating the efficacy of those teams in an operational environment. You got that right. They are checking the box for a minimum standard. Mm. So, just from a from a a guy who creates controls and um, looks at things from a more scientific uh, perspective. What are your What are your thoughts on? Okay. Um, our military working dog programs has great standards. Has standardized standards. Has the kind of standard that others look for to have, and we had dogs uh, that were certified using our military working dog standards, great dogs, till we went downrange. And then we found out our dogs were just uh, not finding shit. Our dogs were walking over aids, just passing through them. So where's the standard? How, how, does, mean, the hand, how does that standard help? How does that standard help? I mean... Uh, military working dog program is supposed to be a program whereby we don't think that all of any of those dogs are going to be deployed within our homeland. So it means that even with our standards, when we deploy those dogs, O'Connors, our standards don't work. So what is the point of having military working dogs when they cannot? deployed when the police is for internal military is for external so that's the way I think and um, that brings me great concern because we're just kidding ourselves especially with our MWD program the veterans that went out there back in the days they know how their dogs fucked up a lot of their brothers didn't come back and sometimes those that came back, their experiences were so harrowing that they came back living dead. Why? Because the experiences, they experienced shit that they weren't supposed to experience if their dogs were well trained. The dogs were well trained, but on bad standards. You could train well on shit. 
the dog's still gonna be full of shit. When you expose it to things that would reveal that it's full of shit. No matter how well we train here militarily, because I came in here because I hate and want to fight, so my military working dog program is more, was more important than me than anything else at that point. No, but we have to remember that our standards don't work outside the United States. We have to find new standards. Now, St. Logic's was created to be an alternative um, to using real aids, a supplement. It wasn't, the intention was not for it to be better. Just for it to be a supplement because even within our military walking dog program, they cannot take real out there. They can't, no matter what. You know, so the days I prayed that they could, but I mean, I prayed, oh God, because the suffering was too much back in the days. The deaths were too much for those, those that could remember, understand this shit. You know, those born in 2000 or 1990 don't understand, or 1986 don't understand what we're talking about right now. You know, that's why I get so hard and so mean because... Aggressive. I, well, whatever the names to people. That, I, hear people I know I've been called aggressive. I hear people call you aggressive. I'm like, other people do the same thing and it's called passionate, but David does I, it. Passionate was the word in my and, mind now David, I wanted to say. David does it and it's aggressive. Yeah. All 83 pounds of him. Yeah. No, 140, brother. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, but but it's because I've seen the consequences, the, the, the training outcomes of our current standards when they're supposed to be used in within the theater that they're supposed to be used at. And I don't want that to happen again. Yeah, I, I, th I think we see a little bit of that on the law enforcement side as well. I think the, I think the standards that have been created have been in place for too long without a lot of substantial yeah. modifications and as a as a result again it's given us this very minimal baseline but we, you that know, does not translate to an operational that's environment true. we'll talk to law we'll talk about law enforcement later but at least they have training aids they have something to use from their own maybe from 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 their own offices or from the dea and stuff but when when our military when they're downrange they got nothing not even their own training aids. But then again, they will need their own training aids if their dogs were working right. But the dogs ain't working right with those standards. Not with those training aids. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget the numbers piling up of number of people dead that they publish every fucking day and we know you could add another 40% to those numbers. We know that. They don't publish accurate numbers. Because their jobs is also not to make us feel worried too. You know? So, I don't ever want... So, yes, our standards are bad. Our standards are not international standards. They don't work outside sometimes our state, our region. But certainly, seldom work outside our country. What's the path to change that? Try and find 
training aids that would at least adhere to multinational multinational detection standards that would lead to us dogs to be able to detect the target no matter how it's manufactured no matter where it's deployed no matter the quantity anything that could make us get that done would be something to 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 characterize as a standard if it's baby's diapers then we have to know what kind of brand it is what kind of weight it is how much shit or how much urine should be in the diapers for it to be an international standard and then we take that and make it a standard for explosives which ex- what 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 kind of t- what age of TNT of what purity in what containment would make us be able to identify TNT all over the world no matter how it's produced no 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 matter where it's deployed that should be our standard you know and um when we made send logics we didn't think that we were not making a standard we just wanted something for our troops to take down but we thank god we think we have created a standard so and w- why because we used odor as our tensor not materials but dogs are looking for material odor so it seems like with sen logics once you once you once you can engineer odor to be like parent odor then your dog would find that target no matter where it's manufactured no matter where it's done now we've done it at sen logics and we are proposing sen logics is a standard for those using chemically um manufactured training aids however i challenge those that use real materials to do the same find your standard do a standard if you like using real materials so much even though you cannot get deployed with them okanus if you are military or even police anyone deployed with it you can go with it but it would still be nice for you to try and find an ex- a TNT of the right age of the right purity of the right containment that would make you create a d- detector dog that you could deploy anywhere in the world and they will find your TNT no matter what country is deployed in and no matter what quantity of it there is so we've made a, ta- a standard now for chemically formulated training aids that is working perfectly i challenge those that have that are using target materials as their odor producers to find that same standard because the standard they have now in any country in the world is abysmal it's a pretty uh, pretty intense challenge if you ask me one one last thing i want to i want to touch on here sort of uh, sort of a parting i think this is a, a proper parting topic and Shana brought it up earlier and that's sort of the polarity that we see in the detection community and this belief that ha, if ha, ha. this belief that if you utilize scent logics that you're opposed to using real materials and vice versa right and I'm paraphrasing here but 
I mean, I would say that people say that about us. I mean, I've had it said straight to our face, like, oh, y'all use scent logics, you don't use real at all. And then, then no, I mean, that's, that's, not, that's not the case. Well, it, it's unfortunate. I, I mean, the common de- denominator between all of us, I, I, I would think that what I would think would 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 be the common denominator is that uh, is our patriotic spirit and patriotism is irrespective of class it's irrespective of gender it's irrespective of ethnicity you know um if you don't understand that i probably can't like you too much (laughs) (laughs) i've lost a lot of good people people I love and um, my life is different now I cannot be the kind of person I came to the United States to be anymore I want one fuck me up too I didn't die but it changed the direction and momentum of my life you know so um What's the question? I feel aggressive. Oh <laughs> Don't do that. Settle down now. <laughs> like, like they said, uh, they, they say, David, please tell me again because I. Question is, how do we deal with this polarity? Uh, this, this again, this, this misconception or belief that if you're, if you're using yes and logics. Well, I mean, one thing you have to hate the other, right? It's sort no, like you, the, do, you, it's you sort of like the purely positive, yeah. balanced community. You, you, you have to remember why we're all in this. We're all in this for the same goal, period. And I have no problems with real, using real materials. Why? Because they were there before I got in and they were working. They're not just working good enough. Still killing the people I love, you know. But we could work together and find that common training aid. I mean, if we get to be perfect... There would only be one TNT training that everybody agrees on that works, and it does prove that it works because our canine partners tell us it works. You know, I have no hate for anybody, but I'll resist anybody that wants to fool my people. I'll resist anybody that ain't patriotic enough to know that it's not about money or going home to sleep or having time for yourself. Because people that know me know I don't sleep much. I don't eat much. Or at all. Or at all. Because I'm driven. I mean, it's, it's an ignition of patriotism for me. Maybe because I've never been a patriot for anything before. You know, but then my driving factors were such that they drove me to think that I'm irrelevant if without the bigger picture. You know, so I have no I have no hatred for any good person. I have, I, have, I never have hatred. I don't have any dislike for for any good person. Um I have dislikes for those that are not working hard enough or that are trying to fool our community into into doing things that I know would not work. I'm a very experienced man. Of course, um, 
a lot of a lot of scientists could be out there. They might have more new clothes than I have. They don't have as many rags. Rags are important, you know. So um, it would be nice if we all work together, because we all work together for the same course. And I hope everybody understands that. You know, before it was a pseudo versus real challenge that made the polarization that that's what causes the polarization right now that is what used to be causing the polarization oh you're using pseudo i don't like you i use real but now that we've connected the dots and scientists are now calling pseudo older and not pseudo anymore and and those that use real are now trying to realize that Odor is now there real. I I I mean odor would unify you'd unify us. I pray. Now that if we because if we both collectively understand what a dog detects, it's not the material but the odor. And we all start working towards understanding odor better. Then that means that the polarization has a convergence. Pseudo versus real. Now believing in odor. Hopefully would make us one. And I hope for that. Because with time, for Saint Logics, things have gotten better. We were hated when we first started. Oh, yes, I know. I was in the club. Remember? <laughs> yes, you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but however, when you saw the logic of it, it was different, you know, and, and that is it because what we were bringing to the table was brand new. It was a brand new perception. We were the first to to talk about it, you know, and um, so we, but then, I mean, we still respect those practitioners that went home, thought about it, experimented and came back and said, wow, we see changes, you know, and you were one of the first, You, I mean, you were one of the few that did experiment so he got back home and came back with a million and one questions and every answer you got you go back and test it come back and come back with three million questions and um i mean i mean as a practitioner you're you are a practitioner extraordinaire and i'd, I'd really like to mention that on this on this podcast and probably one of the few reasons why i'm delighted to be having this podcast with you because I'm speaking with an informed person, an educated practitioner, um, some a practitioner that would hope other practitioners would want to be on the same level as far as the detection, you know, community is concerned, you know. Um, but I think we would all love each other if we if we all converged on odor as being the tensor. We don't hate anybody. Um, we we face challenges. You know, um, we're not aggressive. I mean, I hear that David's aggressive, Dave. But I mean, when people see David, I'm sometimes you think, "Damn, is this the aggressive David?" <laughs> I thought <laughs> I thought he was gonna come five five nine or five ten uh, two sixty pounds. I mean, David's five seven, 
140 pounds, skinny little motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, just just a, a patriotic firepower. But physically, I ain't nothing. Brainily, for my country, yes, I'm a nuclear weapon. United in odor. Yes, United in odor. Put that on a t-shirt. We need that on a t-shirt. <laughs> That's the title of the episode. Yeah, United in odor. Yeah, we could be united in odor. And now that, um, um, uh, now that there is a general realization that it's uh, that odor is a tensor, that the real is odor, even within the scientists. But um, we have some scientists that don't like us, but I think it's because they think we're different from them. Uh, we're not different from them. We just like them to acknowledge that they are the same as us because what is called pseudo now is now older. But some of them want to think like it's a new word. They just minted it. And da -da. no, we have 20 years of experience within biological detection and another 20 years of experience in electronic noses. People got to remember that electronic noses, that's where we were before, which helped us probably get to where we were today at Send Logics as a company rather than other companies because we were brave enough to face odor that no one had ever faced before. Or well, Sigma did, and um, they came up with, with S Sigma is odor based, they were the first acknowledge but they used one or two components of the headspace they never tried to duplicate parent odor because like i said odor has different components in it like you know human odor has about 600 cocaine has about 18 heroin has about seven tnt has five you know but we try to duplicate everything and model parent odor Sigma used one component of each, one component of cocaine, one component of heroin, one component of marijuana, and it still worked. But it worked as well as such a training aid could work. Synlogix used the full parent odor, and it worked as well as full parent odors could work, with no impurities. If you have impurities in it, like cocaine or heroin with fentanyl, we now know how such materials could work too. A training aid should be judged by its training outcomes, not by whether it is pseudo or whether it is real. Training outcomes. And when you have a, a product like Senlogix that's been there for over 14 years and you've never had a dog train on it that failed certification at first, time they should be able to say what the fuck is this what makes it tick why is it different you know scientists should be saying that practitioners should be saying that because you have an equal partner your dog is has a 50 percent partnership with you if not 55 because when you once you enter a room he's in charge as you start work, he's in charge. She, she's in charge. You know, so you, I mean, when you have that, you should understand really what. But unfortunately, we always make eye-based 
perceptions and eye-based conclusions. And we humans, we think we know more than our dogs, which means sometimes we think we know more than Mother Nature, you know, and that brings a lot of um, conflicts. Mother Nature, too, would want us to have conflicts because she doesn't want us to find out. She doesn't doesn't like us being too comfortable, does she? Hell no. (laughs) She's a bitch. (laughs) We just love her. (laughs) I'm sorry, but yeah, Mother Nature's a bitch. She don't let secrets go too easy. And sometimes she might, once you grasp those secrets from her, sometimes she puts you in a situation where nobody will listen to you either. Where nobody will listen to those secrets. If she can get away with that, that's her plan B. Okay, you got it from me, but nobody's going to know about it. You know, and um, with Saint logics, that's been a funny irony because humans weren't getting it, but dogs were getting it. And that was what, so we had to leave humans alone and call dogs our peers. And a, a lot of the scientists probably don't like us for that because when they say, oh, you're not publishing, you're not aware oh, well, your publications, we're like, mm, I'm sorry. For this moment, you're not our peers because we're not going to write, we're not going to be enthusiastic to write about bullshit that dogs can't validate. After the validation, then we'll come back to you. Then you'll be our peers. Would have fooled the dogs to think that they are our peers, but then we can leave them alone now and come back to our human race and tell them what we've learned from these dogs. But we ain't going to hang with you and stay on your line between science and practice and say we're doing something. Every every Saint Logic's training aid we've presented is more like a publication. Everyone presents. Everyone represents like three scientific papers. We could tell stories. We could publish tens of papers. But what guarantees? I mean, what? How is that going to benefit us? You know, as a as a community. You know, it's going to benefit me as a scientist and my team, but not the practitioner community, if we don't start from the dogs first and come back. So um, I think we've proven that there's something in order. Scientists are now getting to understand there's something in order. Um, practitioners that use order are convinced there's something in order. And those that are not convinced yet, a lot of them are at least Allowing that thought to exist without expunging it within a second. So hopefully one day we'll all be able to meet in order, you know, (laughs) within that order compartment. And because of that possibility, because I believe logically it should be an eventuality, we can't afford to hate anybody, you know, because every smart person is going to end up in our land, the land of odor. You know, so there should really be no differences. Number one, we're all patriots, we're walking together. Number two, I mean, as we hopefully eventually evolve to realizing it's about odor, we would love each other. And based on that, we have love for everybody and we hope that people start to change their minds and love us too. We're not aggressive. 
Um, some people say I am. And I believe people had told me before that you'd invited other people to come so that we could have joint. Um, that is correct. Publicly, I, heard that. I have. Yep, I have. Uh, I have tried desperately for a little bit of time now to get uh, you and some other people with uh, little different ideas in the room. Um, That'd be a fantastic to, thing. To, I agree. I, and and as I said earlier to them, I think it's it's at a point now where the community deserves that conversation. But yeah. again, unfortunately, I have not been able to get uh, get anybody to uh, to show up. So we we decided uh, if we couldn't get anybody else to the table. It's your birthday, so uh, well, time, well, what's, time to bring you to the table. Well, what's been uh, a lot? Of, uh, there, there are quite a few people who are considered subject matter experts or network um, social media influencers who have blocked me. So I'm not aware of a lot of conversations that go on within the community. But uh, please, could you tell me why they don't want to have a conversation with me? Oh, I don't know. I have no idea. I can't answer that question. Okay. Why? I don't know. I mean, I just know they're not willing to. Well, they say when two elephants fight, it's the grass that suffers. <laughs> That's some truth. Yeah. To that. So the community suffers when those that we that consider ourselves knowledgeable in some areas or another, if we can't come together and and see what practitioners would think about our saying, because, like I say, a good when good science when when good science is being discussed, I think it's automatic that practitioners will see threads of the conversation that now relates to what they've seen resonate. before in practice. It would resonate, mm -hmm. and they'll be able to connect dots. Yep, I agree. Which is what our job should be. I'm not an aggressive person. Um, I mean, I don't know whether you mean physically aggressive or mentally aggressive. I probably could be mentally aggressive. Pretty scary, David. Wow. What, physically or mentally? <laughs> <laughs> Neither. I'm being... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe we can make that happen. Still. Yeah, I mean... So, if, if those I, those I, folks are listening, you know who you are. So, reach out. Uh, email us at listen at caninerollcall.com or give us a call. We'll set up a... We'll definitely set up a, a great discussion uh, with you and David to talk all things... All things odor, and, and again, I think the community's ready for it. So Yeah, I, I mean, there shouldn't be fractions where we'd say we can't speak to each other or wouldn't speak to each other if what we're holding back or what we're holding in are things that would translate to everybody learning and everybody benefiting. Increased performance. Increased performance, safety. yeah. In, increased um, training outcomes, increased performance, increased safety. Yeah, why would anybody object to having a conversation that results in that? <laughs> So. I mean, w what I imagine about those that are operational is that there comes a time within their operational program that they're faced with a situation that all they got is the roller decks of information they have in their head and four seconds to roll through it and pick the right decision. You know, how could they pick the right decision when the roller decks is incomplete yeah. with options? Yeah. You know. Very good point. Yeah. So, like I said... I came into this for a different reason. It's for us to get better, and um, I've paid, I've paid a high price, I believe, from friends that I've lost, 
um, for it not to be right. I can't have enemies when I've lost so many good friends. Um, and um, I mean, I I don't have no enemies. I invite I invite all practitioners, scientists um, that feel that it's not about sen. I don't talk about sen logics. I talk about odor being the certification standard to being the imprint standard. You know, and if real materials had the right odor, there would not be a problem. I will not be here. Wouldn't be a need, would there? No. If real materials could be handled and transported in ways that they could, you could take them anywhere, I would not be a problem. I would not be here. You know? So, but I'm here because it's problems. We've been able to solve at least a lot of the training outcome problems. You know, so... um and we need what one of the main things we've learned at Sen Logics is there's a lot we don't know, and uh, hopefully, I mean, our scientists, fellow scientists, have stuff that they could plug into our things to make everybody learn, and so could practitioners. We have no enemies. We don't want to hate nobody. We've never intentionally or unintentionally come up with hate, but if you say something wrong, we'll correct you. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you don't like the correction, speak back. Say what you got to say. And we will have a debate, a nice const or discussion, maximally a debate. But it would not. It should not lead to any anonymity. A productive discussion. Yeah, productive discussion. Leads to increased performance for the industry. So yeah. that's what we're looking for. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. David, yeah. it has been a pleasure. Yes, thank you. We appreciate you spending your birthday with us. Well, um, you deserve it, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> we, we hope everybody can take something away from this episode. Again, if you like what you're listening to, be sure to subscribe. Check us out at caninerollcall.com. Again, uh, if you've got questions, shoot us an email or let us know. Be sure to join us on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, we look forward to catching you on that next episode. Yeah, but that do. Yeah. <laughs>